morning. I'm reading from Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through uh, 13. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly now that at length you revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned that in whatever situation I am to be content, I know how to be brought low, I know how to, be, to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is the word of the Lord. response. Thank you. I was so honored when Pastor Ray asked my husband Brian, who's an elder here, and myself to share this morning. And in the text he said, I want our desert breers to see your contagious love for Jesus, because that's what we like about you. And that meant so much to me, because I want to be known as a woman who loves Jesus. So I'm going to take you back to spring of 1970. I was a freshman in college at Mankato State College in Minnesota. I'm half awake, stumbling to my 8 o'clock class, and on the, the classroom buildings, there was six-foot letters in red spray paint, spelling out Nixon. But the X's were swastikas. Nixon was our president at the time. Later on that day, the peaceful anti-war protesters came into the classrooms and tear-gassed them. So as I'm sitting in my dorm room, the peaceful protesters came through the dorms, intimidating students, demanding that we come and sit in the war protest. They said things to shame us, like, they're killing babies in Vietnam. If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. So I found myself sitting in the midst of this screaming anti-war protest, thousands of people on my college campus. And we would scream, or the person at the front would say, what do we want? Peace! When do we want it now? What do we want? Peace! When do we want it now? And as I'm screaming this, I thought, okay, so at that time we wanted to stop all wars, especially the war in Vietnam. We wanted justice for four students who had been killed at Kent State in Ohio. But I started to think, okay, so if we get those circumstances the way we want them, we'll be screaming for peace somewhere else. And I had a little revival with the Lord in the midst of that screaming demonstration. I recall the Holy Spirit brought to mind a verse that I'd memorized in high school. It's John 14, 27. It goes like this. I'm leaving with you a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give isn't fragile like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. And in the midst of that war rally, I'm going, Jesus, 
I'm sorry I've not followed you that closely. I want to follow you. Thank you for your peace that does not depend on circumstances. Well, a few days later, they totally shut down the college, and we just got the grades that we'd had so far. They had to, sh well, they chose to shut it down because the peaceful protesters took over the administration building, kicked out the president, all the administration. They occupied the buildings. They rioted. They broke into storefronts, looted. They sat on the only bridge coming into town, blocked traffic. So the college was shut down, and I was glad I didn't have to take finals. <laughs> my family that year had moved to a little town in southern Illinois so I went to Illinois that summer I got a job as a lifeguard and I had a fun summer I don't know if any of you have ever been a lifeguard this got some responsibilities but it is an easy fun job and once again I put Jesus in my back pocket I took him out when it was convenient um, going back to my freshman year of college, I had gotten involved with Campus Crusade for Christ, which today is called Crew. And I would go to a Campus Crusade meeting one night and a party the next night. And the Crusade staff tried to encourage me, and they would say things like, stop dating non-Christians. They're taking you away from the Lord. And I'm like, oh, fooey, there's no Christians around here asking me. I'm, what am I supposed to do? Just sit in my dorm room all weekend? So... That summer, as a lifeguard, um, when it was convenient, I would take Jesus out of my back part. I still went to church, but he wasn't always convenient to have around the lifestyle that I was wanting to live. But I had a blast. I had a fun summer. Towards the end of the summer, I'm at this small town carnival one night, and my pastor came to me, and he said, Carolyn, We've been looking for you. This is before the days of cell phone. This is back in the olden days. They couldn't just, they couldn't just text me. And um, he said, your father is in critical condition in the hospital. He's had some severe heart attacks. They don't think he's going to make it. Come to the hospital. And I grabbed for Larry my date that night. Come with me. Larry said, oh, I'm not going. So I found myself sitting in the intensive care lounge praying for my dad. God, you can't let him die. He doesn't know you. Please save him. Save his soul. <laughs> save him physically. And it was kind of, it was beautiful because who chose not to be there? Larry, one of my wonderful guys I hung out with all summer. But who was there? My Lord and Savior, Jesus. And I found myself falling in love with Jesus in that intensive care lounge. Well, my father lived through the night. In fact, he lived three more years, and he did become a Christian. And, yeah. <laughs> and that week, as he was still in intensive care, and we're all praying for him, I sat up all night with my sister-in-law and had the joy of leading her to the Lord. And the joy that I had of once again just loving Jesus, being in his presence was so much greater than all of the fun I had had all summer. And at the time, I was reading in John 15, and there was a verse, that a couple of verses, John 15, 10, and 11. Jesus said, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have written to you, 
that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And I said, that's it. Jesus, that's why you want me to obey you. That's why you want me to keep your commandments because that's where my joy is. That's where your joy is full in me. You don't want me to keep my comm- keep your commandments so I can be this goody two-shoes campus crusade girl. No, you want me to keep your commandments because that is where your joy is full in me. And again, all of the fun I had all summer just paled in comparison to the joy that I was finding in Jesus. So I said, that's it. I'm going to stop dating non-Christians. So my last three years of college, I barely had a date. <laughs> but I was falling in love with Jesus. And then when I graduated from college, I joined the staff of Campus Crusade for Christ, and I served with their high school ministry for nine years, and I loved it. I had a great time falling in love with Jesus, serving him. Um, When I was 29 years old, I recalled driving to Minneapolis, and um, I was looking forward to seeing friends there, especially this youth pastor who I'd had an off-and-on-again friendship and I kind of had a crush on this guy. And I got to Minneapolis, and he was so excited to see me, to introduce me to his fiance. <laughs> and I'm starting to get a little bitter. God, I have given up everything for you. I've become this missionary. I have followed you, and you're making me an old maid. Thanks a lot. I thought, I have a right to be married. Where is this wonderful, godly man? I've had a few dates. I've had a broken heart. But where... And I was starting to get an attitude. And I was starting to feel entitled, like I have a right to be married, and you have you've denied me that. I went from Minneapolis to Kansas City, where I stayed overnight with a girlfriend that I knew there. And she had been dating a guy who was a server in a restaurant bar, and she wanted me to meet him. So we went there and sat at the bar, and I'm drinking Diet Coke. But um, there was a guy at the bar hitting on me, and I'm like, see God? Non-Christians think I'm okay. What's wrong with these Christian guys? And I was, I was starting to, this attitude was developing of discontentment. I drove from there to Colorado where my family was living at the time. The tape deck in my car had broken. Some of you young people don't even know what that is. We used to have these things called cassette tapes. Anyway, I couldn't, I couldn't listen to my Christian music, so I'm listening to secular love songs on the radio and getting more and more discontent because I was single. In Colorado, I'm talking with my sister-in-law, the one that I had led to the Lord 10 years previous, and she said, Carolyn, you used to have dates with Jesus. I think you need a date with Jesus. And I'm thinking, no, I don't. I don't like the guy right now. (laughs) Oh, I know. (laughs) He He hadn't given me what I needed. I needed a husband, so I thought. And, um, So I repented of that attitude and said, okay, God, I'm going to have my date with you. And from the little town in Colorado to Phoenix was a 12-hour drive. You can make it in one day. But I chose to drive it in two days so I could have a date with Jesus. And as I'm driving through the mountains, I'm praying, God, prepare my heart for this date. And I started to repent of the hardness and my bitterness. And prepare my heart and I thought, you know, whenever, it was rare, but whenever a, a, a guy that I was really attracted to had asked me out, man, I would prepare for that date. I might buy a new outfit, I'd make sure my hair looked okay, fix my, and I prepared for that date. So Jesus, prepare my heart for my date with you. 
I got a room in a hunting lodge, and I asked the man who owned it where a hiking trail was. And he said, well, right there, it goes right up that mountain. So I started to climb the mountains about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And as I was going up the mountain, my attitude was, okay, God, if I am going to be single, you had better be enough. Jesus, you say that you give life and give it abundantly. I really want that to be true in my life if I'm going to be single. I do not want to be a crabby old spinster. I hate that word, spinster. Anyway, I don't want to be this old lady who's just, you know, people feel sorry for her because she never got married or whatever. So as I climbed the mountain, um, another mountain range would open up over there and wow, it's beautiful. Or I could see a ranch down there I didn't see before. And God started speaking in my heart saying, Carolyn, I see your life from a different perspective. Would you trust me? So when I got to the top of that mountain, I had an Abraham-Isaac experience. In Genesis 22, Abraham climbed the mountain with his son Isaac, and he was willing to sacrifice his son. And as I, I sacrificed my right to be married, and said, God, I give you this. It's, I don't really have a right to be married. I give this to you. And while I was on that mountaintop, a storm rolled in, and it was thundering and lightning and pouring down rain. And I felt like I was in the cloud. It was kind of scary, but it was also beautiful just to be with Jesus again. So as I climbed down the mountain, I'm slipping and sliding in the mud, and I'm singing praise songs, and I'm in love with Jesus. And one of the songs that I remember singing was Jehovah Jireh, my provider. His grace is sufficient for thee. And it goes on to say... Um, I will provide all your needs. And I'm thinking, God, you provide all my needs. Not all my wants, but my needs. I still wanted a husband, but I don't need a husband. When I got to the bottom, but got back to the hunting lodge, the um, proprietor said, oh, we are so glad you're okay. My wife and I saw that huge storm on top of the mountain and we prayed for you you must have had angels protecting you there's a line in that song Jehovah Jireh that goes he will give his angels guard over you so I'm like yes God thank you so that night in that hunting lodge I decided to study Jehovah Jireh what does this mean it's one of the names for God and the first time that was ever used was Genesis 22 when Isaac asked his dad where's the sacrifice and Abraham said, Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. And what that meant was God would provide at the moment exactly what Abraham needed, but would also provide through him. If he would obey God, God would provide through him a blessing to many others. And God did through Abraham. So I said, okay, God, I want you to provide through me a blessing to many others. So for the next 10 years, my life was so full. I had so much fun. I snow skied whenever, wherever I could. I spoke at some single ski conferences, and they traveled to Africa one summer on a, med on a mission, and I went back to college, got my master's degree. I had lots of friends. I had a broken heart. Um, and I, I, was, I was so full of Jesus and so much in love with him that I was not this miserable single woman looking for a man to make me happy. Jesus was my fulfillment. I still had a desire to be married, but it was not a craving desire. As my husband will be teaching about later that, I have to say this correctly, how does he say it? Um, 
It's a craving, a discontentment is a craving for something one does not have. I didn't have a husband, but I did not, I was not craving one because my love was Jesus. Sometimes I'd feel a little uncertain when people would question my singleness, like, you're not married? Oh, that's right. Or I hated this line. I don't know how many weddings I'd been in. I had all these bridesmaid dresses that you know you only wear at the wedding. And people would say, oh, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Kind of like poor Carolyn. And I hated that sense of pity almost. Um, my mother once said, maybe you're just too picky. I said, you are darn right I'm picky. <laughs> I'm so satisfied being single. I want to be married, but it better be the man that God brings into my life. And he'd better be in love with Jesus. I wanted a man who was in love with Jesus. I had met enough religious weirdos out there. I didn't want one of them. I once had had a guy tell me that God told him that I was supposed to marry him. And I said, well, he hasn't told me that. So one time I was at this... I don't know if it was a conference or what it was, but I'm talking to a woman. I just met her, and we're talking, and she's questioning my singleness. So you're 39 years old, and you've never been married? Now, like, 30 years ago, it was a bigger thing than it is today, especially in the church. It was almost expected that a good Christian girl, you know, after college or in college, gets married, has a family, and that's what you're supposed to do. And if you don't, there's something wrong with you. So I could tell this woman was kind of looking at me like, okay, you seem to have a good personality. You seem intelligent. You're not that bad looking. So she literally asked me, you're 39 years old. You've never been married. Why? So I decided to be kind of feisty, and I looked at her, and I said, insanity. (laughs) Now, that shut her up right away. She didn't know if I thought she was insane or I was insane or what, but anyway. Um, <laughs> being satisfied in Jesus, I loved it. I, love, I still do love him. Um, let's see, what do I want to say next? Okay. Um, then, I'm 40 years old, and I'm sitting in church. It wasn't Desert Breeze, it was another church. And I'm actually standing and I'm worshiping. And I noticed a couple rows ahead of me, this man worshiping, and oh, he was lost in worship. And I thought, man, that guy seems to really love Jesus. And there's no ring on his finger. <laughs> there's no woman sitting next to him. And he's really good looking. <laughs> well, I didn't meet that man right away, but I'd noticed him from time to time, and later on I met him and got to marry him. <laughs> I waited for the best. <laughs> he still isn't perfect, though. There were still, you know, there's still some times that I'm so glad my ultimate joy is in Jesus because sometimes he bugs me. But no, he's... <laughs> but he loves Jesus, and I'm so blessed to be married to him. One thing that has bugged me about him, and it's a good thing, um, he loves to serve, and sometimes my lazy bones doesn't want to serve. I want some more couch potato time. When we started attending Desert Breeze 20 years ago, I was kind of burnt out. And I said, can we just sit and do nothing for a while? He says, oh, well, you can, but I'm not. (laughs) So he started greeting, so I started greeting, and I loved it. And then when he said, we're going to lead a life group, I thought, oh, we've done that before. (laughs) Sometimes you got 
people that cause problems. And I, but we started leading the life group. And I love my life group. They have become my family. As Pastor Ray says, Desert Breeze is a place where strangers become friends and friends become family. And that's what I love my life group people. You bring me joy. I have to admit, when sometimes if I've had a long day and I come home on a Tuesday, it's like, oh, I'm so tired. I just want to sit on the couch. Maybe nobody will show up tonight. And then they show up. <laughs> However, by the end of the evening, I'm energized. His joy from my people, my family. Um, and there, it's a fact that our brains are hardwired to thrive when serving others. Um, they've done a lot of brain research, and it has proven that our brains actually do much better when we are on the giving end rather than the receiving end. And I'm just going to quote a couple studies. Um, I'm a therapist, and I'm supposed to know research, but it's kind of boring sometimes. But anyway, um, Psychology Today from February 21st, 2016 was quoting a brain research study. They, I don't know how they do it all kinds of stuff, but they can, they can see what's happening in the different areas of the brain. And they have found that serving others reduces activity in the stress and threat-related parts of our brains. So if I'm feeling stress, that part of my brain is going real hard. If I serve others, it reduces that activity. Also showed that serving others lights up a region that is part of the brain's reward system. Well, duh, Jesus said, if you obey me and keep my commandments, my joy will be in you. Well, that's part of the reward system of the brain. Also in Psych Central, August 8th, 2018, quoted, people who live with purpose sleep better and live longer. I love it. Science, brain science today is proving what scripture told us 2,000 years ago or more. Matthew 16.25 says, whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And brain research is telling us that today. It goes back to my um, John 15 verse. If you love me, you will obey me, keep my commandments, my joy will be in you, and your joy will be made full. Well, brain research has proven that today. Um, and as I'm, I'm going to jump back to something that I meant to say the beginning when I was talking about my minimal involvement in the anti-war protests. There are some Vietnam vets that attend this church, and I'm so sorry for my part in what our country did to dishonor you. And I'm so sorry for what our country did. So I just want to say thank you for your service, and welcome home. that came to mind when I was thinking of service. Um, my last example of service, um, <coughs> I'm going to share about a person that attends this church, and she likes to not have attention brought to her, um, but I'm going to anyway. <laughs> she likes to kind of stay in the background. Some of you may have noticed her. Her name is Grace Kube. She's from Africa. We are her American grandparents. She's on the worship team. Young adult people know her. Um, if any of you know her, one of her wonderful qualities is joy. She often says, my cheeks hurt from laughing so much. And I have observed her in many situations of discontentment, 
but having joy. She's been applying for jobs the whole two years she's lived here. She's now a junior at GCU, and um, she doesn't have much money. And one time, we were three of us were playing cards, and she cheats at cards. No, just joking, she doesn't. <laughs> but um, we're playing cards, and she got a text, and she looked or an email, and she looked at it. She had a little bit of a down look on her face. I go, what? She goes, I didn't get the job. But her joy's back. She's smiling, laughing, and she anyway. She doesn't let discontentment get her down. I'm going to tell you how I met her. Um, I have a friend named Sue McDaniel. We were roommates 40 years ago. I was on staff with crew back then, and so was Sue. She has never left the staff of Campus Crusade. She's never married. She's with the Jesus Film Project, and um, she works with countries in um, Western Africa, Francophone Africa. So she knows a lot of the Africans there. She knows Grace's family. Grace's parents are on staff with crew in um, Abidjan, which is the capital of Cote d'Ivoire. Cote d'Ivoire is French for Ivory Coast. And Grace's parents administer to the leaders in that city, leading them to Christ, discipling them, trying to reach, wanting to reach that city for Christ. It's a lot, it's a heavily Muslim city too. Well, anyway, Sue contacted me a little over two years ago, saying these people, their daughter was coming to Phoenix to go to GCU. And she asked them, do you know anybody in Phoenix? And they said no. So Sue asked me, well, would you help her get settled? I said, sure, thinking, well, we'll pick them up at the airport, help her get settled at GCU, and that's it. And then I get this email. And um, they're going to stay with us for a few days. Then when Grace goes in the dorm, then her dad's going to stay with us a few more days. We don't even know these people. So I'm showing this to Brian. We don't even know these people. They're staying with us, and we have a very small house. We have two bedrooms. One of them will be in one bedroom, one will be on the couch, and they're staying with us. We don't even know them, and they're from Africa. And Brian calls me Wonder. You can ask him later why, but he goes, Wonder, what did you get us into now? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Okay, God, I'll obey you. I will be. Well, what I learned... Grace and her dad are the most peaceful people that I know. When her dad was with us, I mean, my flesh was like, okay, our couch potato time's taken away. I like to come home and just sit on the couch and watch TV while we have this man in our house that we don't even know. So peaceful. And he ministered to us. And just, and Grace and her family have had many experiences in their life that to me would provide a lot of discontentment. Um, one of them is, she was just sharing with me more of her life. And she doesn't talk about this. If you ask her, she might tell you. Ten years ago, her parents had to take their three children and flee from their country because of a political revolution. There was rioting in the streets of Abidjan. It wasn't safe. So they escaped. They fled to Ghana for six months and then Benin for a year before they could return home. And... They don't complain about these things. They have found contentment and joy in contentment. Um, anyway, I, I'm so thankful that my Lord and Savior has asked me to be his daughter. And I love him, and I pray that I love him more and more. And marrying this man, Brian, has encouraged me to love Jesus more and more. So now I get to turn it over to him. I saved the best for last in my life, and also I saved the best for teaching this morning. So take it away. (laughs) Good morning. 
My name, my name is Brian Newsom. I'm obviously Carolyn's husband, after that wonderful story. Um, anyway, I'm on the elder board here at Desert Breeze Community Church. In case you didn't know that, uh, what I want you to know before I get into the teaching, the, what we're going to share, what I'm going to share this morning, is I just want you to know how grateful and thankful I am to be able to serve you as a church community. You are a blessing. And the Lord has put it on my heart this morning to encourage you, me, to, uh, to, to be steadfast as we go through this virus thing. Um, as Christians, we should be able to manage the adversity through Jesus. And that's really what this lesson is about here, about joy and discontentment. And so I encourage you as fully devoted followers of Christ this morning to come together, to encourage one another, to have each other's back, to have my back. And just in short, the elder board, very little is known about us. I think people are just now starting to discover who we are. And I just wanted to, in a short blurb, say what we do is we serve you. We're like the, we're on the foundation, which is Jesus, and the rest of the church is built up from there. And we're here to serve. We, we want you to be as fully devoted to Christ as you can possibly be. That's our heart for you. We love you. And we hope uh, that you will pray for us as we make hard decisions. Also, um, I encourage you this morning in the Lord to pray on all occasions. We need to pray a lot right now. We have a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff going on. And as fully devoted followers of Jesus, we need to be prayed up. We need to be meditating on his word day and night. And so I had so much more I wanted to say. I, uh, and before I get into the message, I wanted to say this is like Christmas for me. Not so much the getting the gifts, but the fact, you know, there's that spirit of Christmas where, you know, you have that joy about, this, about celebrating the Jesus' birth and and. Our Father in Heaven sending His Son into the world to save us. And so I'm, I'm really high. Normally, the weekend service, I'm a Saturday nighter, by the way. I used to be a 9 a.m.er, but now I'm a Saturday nighter. So it's so good to be here with you this morning and getting reunited with this service. But uh, anyway, I, I, I view this as like a little mini vacation. I get a break from the fallen world we live in, and I come in here and I get to hang out with brothers and sisters who are like-minded, who actually care about each other. Go figure. So anyway, I won't, I won't blabber on anymore, but I'll get right to the point here. This morning we're going to talk about joy and discontentment. As we've already heard the scripture read by Matt, Philippians 4, 10 through 13. The Apostle Paul has learned to be content in all circumstances. Now it is our turn as fully devoted followers of Christ to learn how to be content and experience joy in discontentment. So earthly pleasures, what is our contentment with earthly, earthly pleasures? Excuse me. In the book Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis wrote, if I find myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. This fallen world is fundamentally dissatisfying. As Lewis explains, 
Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy our desire, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. I recall when I was uh, a young boy, about nine, ten years old, I had a bicycle and all the kids in the neighborhood had bicycles and it was really a pleasure to take off on your bicycle with other kids and go on adventures, you know, down to the little grocery store, or, you know, to the, to the ball field, whatever. But commonly I encountered flat tires on my bicycle and I would have to repair those flats. I had, you know, real thin inner tubes, so being living in Arizona, you know, the land of sharp things. <laughs> I was constantly fixing flat tires. And my dad wasn't around much, and so I pretty much had one multi-purpose tool called vice grips. I mean, you could do anything with this pair of vice grips. And so being that I was a young boy and just learning how to work on things, I would strip the nuts off of the, the bicycle rims and cause all kinds of chaos and and then I would be in huge discontentment because I wanted the pleasure of being off with the other kids riding that bike and having a good time but instead here I was stuck in my yard with this bicycle working on it and I couldn't get it to I couldn't get it to work it just wouldn't work so in frustration I pick the bike up and I throw it down and I jump on this thing <laughs> and while I'm doing this I start having a conversation with God I really, at that point in my life, I really didn't have a relationship with Jesus, but it was beginning. But for some reason, I knew that there was a God, and I knew that it had to be his fault that I was having all that trouble with the bicycle, right? <laughs> I mean, life is supposed to be painless, right? I mean, when you're 9, 10 years old, that's the way you think. So, that was my earthly pleasure in... Earthly pleasures are great. They're good. God wants us to enjoy the good things in life. But as we've learned here through numerous teachings, and Ray's mentioned it numerous times, that we don't want a good thing to become the ultimate thing. And that creates discontentment when we do that. So, what is our discontentment with? A restless desire, as my wife mentioned, or a craving for something one does not have. I recall there was a time several years back, it's probably more years than, I can, than I'm even, it's probably longer, you know how that goes. But nevertheless, I had a fish aquarium when I was a young guy coming up, only small ones though. And my, my dream and my desire was to have a large one with lots of fish and, and all the accessories that go with it. And, and for some reason I fixated on it. Now I'm a grown man. I'm sitting at my table in the morning eating breakfast, studying the word, and here I am discontent with the fact that I could not have this fish aquarium. And the reason that I couldn't was because we're on a budget and a fish aquarium is not a need, it's a want. But I wanted it and for some reason I just couldn't let it go. So literally for weeks I went and I would had to pray about it because this is nonsense, Lord. I've want this fish aquarium and it isn't like it's life or death right but here I am selfishly you know desiring this thing which isn't a bad thing by the way fish aquariums and especially if you like fish aquariums are awesome <laughs> I mean <laughs> they're beautiful and so the rest of the story is is that I surrendered that I was discontent but I surrendered it and then I was in a customer's home 
and uh, she had a really nice fish tank, a large one, and it had the pump that I thought that I wanted, and it had these nice fish, all the accessories, and uh, I'm looking at it, admiring it, and I'm talking to her about it, and she says, do you want it? And I, I mean, my jaw was just like dragging on the floor. Really? You, you want to give this to me? Yes. And so the only uh, condition was is that I get it out of there by the afternoon, which I gladly accommodated her. I had that thing set up my house that night. I was enjoying it. And the reason that I mention the rest of the story is because our Lord is so good and loves us so much that when she gave that to me, I knew that it was him. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because I deserved it. In fact, the matter is, is I was pretty unhappy about not having one for quite a few weeks before I surrendered that notion. And so it was the Lord's way of reinforcing to me that I'm his joy, that I can have joy and discontentment. Mm-hmm. And the scripture I have that came to me in relation to this is, is Psalm 73, 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. What is our discontentment with? Heart focus. Often our problem is our focus. Our heart is designed for worship, to know God and love God and work for God. However, in our sin, our hearts are prone to wander. When our heart is not set on Christ, our heart falls back to worshiping self, which leads to cravings, desires, frustrations. When we love and work for something apart from God, we become preoccupied with what I call the 10 Ps. People, pleasure, power, play, protection, possessions, peace, popularity, prestige, and physical health. All good things. Problem is we make them the ultimate thing, you're going to be discontent. If you're going to be discontent, you're not going to have any joy. But as Christians, we have the blessing, the privilege of having God, His presence, His Word, so that we don't have to have these things as the ultimate. Our discontentment often can be boiled down to two questions. What am I wanting that I'm not getting? And what am I getting that I'm not wanting? And one is me wanting a fish aquarium. That's the what am I wanting that I'm not getting. That's all me self-generated, the flesh, as you, it's referred to in the Bible. And then there's the externals, which is, what am I getting that I'm not wanting? You know, that stuff like, oh, I just got my pink slip at work and I'm getting laid off. I mean, nobody was asking for that, right? I mean, uh, or relational problems or financial problems or health problems. Some of these things that we, didn't, we don't choose it. It comes our way, but we're discontent with it. I know that I am. I've, I've got some health things going on. As you get older, you just sort of start to wear out. And so... <laughs> You, you know, it's from time to time I get a little discontent with that. But I have joy to overcome that discontentment in that because I know that I have eternal life. And that's going to f- 
far outweigh this. This will be pale in comparison. Amen. So Matthew 6, verse 21 reads, For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. That was Jesus talking. So let's look at also what contentment is. Contentment is knowing Jesus. Verse 10 of Philippians 4 reads, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Many years back, I was in the grocery store getting groceries, uh, and I was standing waiting my turn in line, and I started to look down at the different aisles, you know, people lined up going through the checkout, and uh, I, my eyes came upon somebody that was familiar to me. And lo and behold, it was my little brother Bill, who I hadn't seen in years. And so I was delighted. I was actually rejoicing that I was following the Lord, and I wanted to talk to him about that. And so I went down and I greeted him, and we ended up in my pickup truck in the parking lot. And in the course of conversation, as the Holy Spirit led, I was able to pray with my brother. And it was a really good time of rejoicing for me. I was, I was really uh, excited about this because I hadn't had any contact with him. And he hadn't been following the Lord. And, and when you don't follow the Lord, it shows. Your life is it's really tough. And so... There's the rest of the story to that, but I won't go into that right now. But nevertheless, I found my brother. I was able to pray with him, so I was rejoicing greatly. Psalm 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exalts, and with my song I give thanks to him. So contentment is knowing Jesus. Verse 11, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. To be content, whatever the circumstances. Remember, you are a citizen of heaven. Most importantly, Jesus paid for your freedom so that you could be free from the bondage of sin. I learned, the, the Lord taught me contentment uh, in the past, many years back actually, and I used to have a big pickup truck that I drove, and anyway, I'm a routinal person. I pretty much do things. You can set your watch by me. I don't know if it's because all my uh, broken, fragmented youth, but I find comfort, you know, I'm, my insecurities are soothed by the fact that I, I do things the same way every day at the same time. You probably could kill me if you were hunting me because you'd know where I was at at any given time. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I got up <laughs> one morning and I, I had my breakfast and I read my Bible and I prayed and I, back then I drank herbal tea. I had a big old uh, hot cup of herbal tea and I, it was, it was kind of cool out and I got in my old pickup truck and it didn't want to start. And so I'm turning the ignition and pumping the gas pedal. I can't get this thing going. Well, eventually I did. And what's spittering and sputtering, I took off down the street 
came to the first busy intersection, got about halfway in it, and stalled. I'm talking, there were a lot of cars coming. This was down by the airport, and uh, I think this was when Air Research was down there, so all the employees came into there from that 32nd Street. And uh, I'm halfway out in the lane, and I tried to get out, and I tried to push the, car, the truck back out of the way, you know, so everybody would be happy again. <laughs> so I can't, because this truck weighs a lot, and it's uphill. So then I go back to trying to start the truck again. I can't get this truck to start. I still have my cup of hot herbal tea. Didn't <laughs> spill a drop. Well, anyway, I was good. I was just sitting there. I, was, I didn't have a clue what I was going to do next. I was really, I was discontent, to say the <laughs> least. So this lady comes up in a little red sports car and starts in on me with the horn and the bird finger and cussing at me. And I, it's like, I lost it. I threw my herbal tea at her. I gave her a whole train of verbal, uh, not so kind words back. And she just took off like it was no big deal. And then, it, then I'm left there. This time I'm starting to perspire and I'm just a wreck. And, I, and, and out of nowhere, this uh, U.S. West phone uh, technician guy shows up in the window and says, can I help you get your truck out of the road? I was like, sure, thank you. So we pushed it off to the side, and I just slumped over the steering wheel. I just cried out to the Lord, you know, to please help me, to forgive me for being that way. I was so discontent. Well, the Lord answered me. Ever since then, I've been able to drive without, I don't get mad at people on the road. I don't, I don't it's like I could be really calm, and that's, that's all due to the Lord and what he did. He did a work in me that day with discontentment. I had joy. And amazingly enough, and it, somebody will probably try to explain it away, but I've never been able to figure it out, what happened. But guess what happened when I turned that ignition switch? That, that's right. That truck fired right up. Never did it again. And I went on my way to work. Unbelievable. The Lord was in that. Philippians 3.20 But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ. And John 8.36 reads... So if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Amen. I was set free. So moving right along here, contentment is knowing Jesus. Verse 12. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. The key word there is secret. The secret to being content is following Jesus. In John 14, 6, it reads, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In verse 13, it reads, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. In Romans 16.25 reads, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel in the preaching of Jesus Christ. So I think you're seeing the secret here 
The secret is having a relationship with the Lord. He is our strength. He is our joy. And that's how we're able to have joy and discontentment. We can have joy and discontentment if we are fully devoted followers of Jesus. At Desert Breeze, we adhere to the 5G process, which is genuine, growing, giving, going, and glorifying the Lord Jesus. A growing Christian will overcome discontentment through a relationship with Jesus Christ. In closing, I want, I want to pray, and then we'll be done. Father, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, the wonderful opportunity to be up here this morning and to be sharing your word and our testimony with our brothers and sisters, your sons and daughters. Father, thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. And if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I pray that you would ask Jesus to forgive your sins and come into your heart and that you would be born again. If that's you this morning, please come up and let us know. Talk to us so that we can get you on the path of life and encourage you. Father, I also pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, as we've been going through the, a lot of adversity here. Adversity is the rule. The good news is, is that Jesus said that he has overcome the world so that we can overcome the world. And I pray, Lord, that you will provide that strength, that joy that we need that we can have joy and discontentment. Thank you for this morning, Lord. Thank you for the music. Thank you for our pastors, Lord. Thank you for our, our people that serve as greeters and security. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful building that you've blessed us with. I know that your word says that we need to be faithful. If you've given much, we need to be faithful in much. And Lord, help us, Lord. We've got 200, 250,000 people who live around here that they need you, Lord. We've got what they need. I pray, Lord, that we would be diligent about that, that we would be attractive to them. Help us, Lord, to do that. Thank you. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks for coming.